Hi. <laughs> um, so this is my first time up here, but uh, it's not my first time preaching. I had to do this once in school in grade 12, so I think technically that means I've got about 17 years of preaching experience, so you're in good hands. <laughs> um, so today what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to do a little bit of kind of encouragement to start off with, um, because I'm going to do something that I don't think since I've been home in September that I've heard done here. And I haven't been here every Sunday, but uh, and that is uh, preaching from the Old Testament. <laughs> I know we like to spend a lot of time in the New Testament, um, but I think the Old Testament has so much to offer. And uh, I've, I've kind of noticed, I think, a lot of times um, mature adult Christians tend to stick to the New Testament a lot and not go into the Old Testament. Um, well, I don't think it's just history and stories for children, or it's just not that relevant for us today because it's set so far in the past and the rules have changed and all that. But um, I, I love the Old Testament. I, I think it's fantastic. Um, I love the stories. I've always been a big fan of stories, reading stories, hearing stories, watching stories. Um, and I think we should all get back into that, uh, get back into the stories because they're just so full of, full of life and everything. So um, I'm just going to give a couple points as to why I think it's important for us to, if you're not in it, to get back into the Old Testament. And if you are in it, to continue on with that, and then we'll move on. So the first thing is that the Old Testament is part of the Bible, right? It's there, which means it's, it's important, right? We don't just skip over it. Um, the Old Testament was Jesus' testament. It's what Jesus learned. It's what he, he uh, trained in, what he taught, what he preached. It's what he used to, um, it's what he referenced when he was uh, being tempted by Satan in the desert, right? He would reference the Old Testament uh, verses to, to fight back, and that's when he was in the temple as a child. Um, that's what he would have been teaching there when he taught in, when he was older. He read from Isaiah, right? That's Old Testament. And uh, the last thing I have is that, um, and what I'm going to kind of focus on today, is that um, Jesus is present throughout the entire Old Testament, right? So we know that Jesus as a baby, as a child, as a man is there in flesh at the uh, beginning of the New Testament, but he's also there throughout the entire Old Testament, right? So this is something that was um, taught to me by Al uh, during our men's Bible studies quite a few years ago. Eddie and Dan and Brian were all pretty pretty consistent members of, and different people came at different times, but for a period there, it was just about the four or five of us consistently going, so Eddie might remember this. But um, we were reading through First uh, Samuel, and um, so what, what Al's kind of uh, idea was, and, and it's, I think it's a fantastic thing to do, is when you're reading the Old Testament, you're reading the old stories, you read it through the lens of, where is Jesus in this story, right? Because you read, you read through it and, you know, as human beings, we read stories as kids. We always like to uh, inject ourselves into the stories, 
right? Often as main characters and that. But um, so I think this is a great. As you go back into the Old Testament, you read the stories, you really think about in your head where is Jesus in this story? Where, where, uh, what is he doing? You know, which character is he, and that sort of thing. And so today I'm going to go through a story, a very popular and well-known story. It's not going to be new to anybody. Um, in fact, it's probably one of the most well-known stories in the world, even if you've never read a Bible, and that's of David and Goliath, right? It's so well-known. I mean, you've got underdog stories. You see it in movies. You hear it in the news, the small guy going against the little guy. So it's not going to be new, but I'm going to read the whole thing, pretty much, which is First Samuel 17. And um, it's, a, it's a, about 54 verses I'll read, so it's gonna, it'll take a little bit. But uh, <laughs> we're going to read through it. There probably won't be too many pauses or stops, but I want you guys to go through it thinking about where is Jesus in this story, and then at the end of it we'll go through that. So First Samuel 17. Uh, now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Demim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in the line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Now this part here, this verse uh, 8, stood out to me as I was going through this. I'd never really noticed it before that uh, Goliath calls them servants of Saul and not of God. I think that's a, an interesting thing. It just kind of you know, popped out at me as I was going over this. Um, if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. 
Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions and went, as Jesse had commanded him. And he camped... And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage, ran to the ranks, and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard them. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills with great riches and will give him his daughter and makes his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from, from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. 
And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistine as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Shariim and as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. So that's the story. You've all probably read it several times in your life. You've heard all kinds of versions of it. You've heard, but um, I'm hoping today, as you, like I said, we uh, read it through a different kind of lens and um, see where, ask the question, where is Jesus in the story, right? So, like I said before, we are inclined to put ourselves in any story that we read or hear into the uh, the shoes of the hero, the protagonist, or if there's a a group of them, you pick, you know, if you're Lord of the Rings fans, you say, oh, I'm Gimli, or I'm, you know, the kid, or I'm this person, you, the one that you kind of relate to with the most. Um, we are taught, uh, if you're part of this at all, by social media, there's this, there's this trend about the main character energy, right? So there's certain people that give off an energy that uh, makes them seem like if they were in a TV show, they'd be the main character, and then you've also got the side characters who are just kind of there to help the main character <laughs> along their way. Um, and then you've got the, uh, what we might call NPCs or bots, the non-playable characters, the ones that you might interact with and they don't really do much. They're just around. <laughs> right? um, so in this, in this instance... Um, we're, we're inclined, and not just inclined, but lots of times when you hear the story, you're encouraged to, to see yourself as David, right? Lots of times when this story is, is brought out to people, even in church, we, uh, we're taught, you know, we, we are David, we go up against our Goliaths, our giants, and, um, you know, with the power of God behind us, we can take on those giants and slay them, right? That's kind of the most common uh, theme or common teaching through this, this story, uh, that we are the brave ones uh, who go out and face the giant with no armor, just a few stones in a sling, and uh, will prevail. But uh, is that who we really are in this story? Because if we look at it and think and know that Jesus is in this story somewhere, then we kind of have to shift where we are because when you think about it, the hero of the story, David, is not really us. It's Jesus, right? Jesus comes in, takes on our giants for us, Amen. right? 
And so then, who does that really leave for us? Well, we're not the Philistines, right? We're not Goliath. We're not fighting against Israel. We're not fighting against God's people. And there's really only a couple other characters in this story that we could possibly be. And uh, that is, we are the scared Israelites sitting back, not wanting to go out and fight against Goliath, and waiting for somebody, hopefully, to come along and do something about it. Right? Um, and that's not a bad thing. You know, we're, we're there. And, and, you know, as you read through, it, it does seem like there were times where there was, it says both armies would come up into their battle uh, array, and it sounds like they may have done a little bit of fighting, but Goliath would come out every morning and every night and proclaim his challenge Maybe they would, and, and then they would run away, right? It says that they would run away and hide when he would come out. But they did come out every once in a while. Maybe there was a bit of fighting and tussling, and then Goliath would show up and they'd disappear, right? So that's us. We're the ones sitting there thinking we're brave. We've got all our armor and our weapons out, and we see the enemy, and we're ready to go. We even step out a little bit, maybe a little tussle here and there, but then the giant approaches, and we're, we disappear, right? And uh, that's when Jesus steps in for us. And, and like David's brothers, um, we might often resist that. You know, David's brothers challenged him and says, what are you even here for? You're just here to watch the battle and have a bit of fun. Go home, and who's, who's watching the sheep, Right? And I think in our lives we, um, we come across these big problems and, you know, Jesus has offered himself. He says, I will carry your burden, give your burden to me, right? And we, he says, what, what, are you, what are you even, just, we can do it. Just stay over there, we'll take care of it. And then, uh, luckily for most of us, he doesn't do that. <laughs> he pushes through, he um, challenges the giant and we might even try and fit him with some of our own armor that of course doesn't fit and then he goes out there and fights our giant for us right um, I believe it is, it is important to understand who we are and where we stand in these stories um, and to understand that this story is not necessarily our story, right? It's like, Leroy, your life, you're, you're not the main character of your story. I'm not the main character of my story. You're not the main, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think the, the whole, this whole story is God's story, right? Right from the beginning in Genesis, he started the story, He's already got the end written. And the main character of this story is Jesus Christ. All the way through. Amen. Right? In the beginning was the Word. And we know that Jesus is the Word. Right? And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And I think it's important that we realize that we are just part of this story that God is telling about His Son. And we're not... I'm not saying that we're just NPCs or bots or whatever. You know, we're still part of the story. We're included in that story. But 
And we have a job in that story. We don't just stand idly by and uh, we don't try and hide every time something comes along, but we do have a job. We have responsibilities. Just like in all those books when there are side characters who you know, help the main character along, give them encouragement, what have you. And, um, but it is not our story. We can bring other people, tell other people the story, but it's not our job to save them, right? Again, that is Jesus steps in to do that. And um, it's God's story of how he saves those he loves. And I think we're, we should feel blessed, we are blessed to be a part of that story. So again, going forward... Um, you know, I started this with the encouragement for people to get back into the Old Testament if you don't spend much time there. And uh, when you read it, every story, I think, can be read with, with this lens. You read through it and you ask, before you start, where is Jesus in this story? Where am I in this story? If, if Jesus is here, where do I sit in the story? And um, I think it'll give us a, a really good perspective of our own part and where we stand and uh, it'll just I think just open up open up all these old stories that we've we know we have them in the back of our heads we've heard them a million times but you just kind of says oh those are good stories for kids they've got good morals they teach you good lessons there's not much in it for me and um, again that's it's all part of the Bible it's all important and this is just one way I think that we can Go back and start from the beginning again if you feel like, or whatever your favorite book used to be in the Old Testament, your favorite stories, and just change slightly the way you look at it, and I think you'll get um, a whole new perspective of, of every one of those stories. Um, and that's all I've got for today. <laughs> it was a little bit short, but <laughs> it's, uh, I hope it hit somebody. <laughs> Thank you.